Hey, good morning. Welcome to another episode of AI Buzz. Thank you so much for being here today on this lovely Monday morning, bright and early. My name is Nick. I have some great machine learning and artificial intelligence stories for you today. What we have, AI decoding brainwaves, ACLU suing the government over facial recognition technology, AI helping us understand why songs make us feel the way they do. And lastly, how to sort through large amounts of satellite imagery with a cool new program. All that and more on this episode of AI Buzz. Let's get started. Machine learning is helping us understand more about the brain and how we think. However, most believe that machines reading our minds is out of the realm of possibilities. New research suggests this could, could be possible. Researchers from the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology are working on creating a way to visualize what people are thinking about. The researchers have created a brain-computer interface that allows brain waves to be recorded reliably after placing electrodes on the scalp. The model can effectively recreate images of what the person is thinking about from their brain waves. And in the study, uh, the participants, uh, those who chose to join the study, were shown five different categories of videos, uh, including a category of waterfalls, uh, motorsports. Those are just a few. And the, the scientists then uh, essentially hooked them up to these electrodes I saw a picture from one article I read, and um, it's one of those big caps that you see people wearing in the medical field. You know, it's, it's a big, it's kind of like a, you know, it hugs your scalp, and it has tons of wires coming out of it. Um, and then the participant is watching a computer screen. So how this works is... The brainwaves that the, they call this the EEG method of collecting brainwave data, they found that brainwaves were unique in the participants for each of these different categories of videos that they were shown. Neural networks were used to process the collected data, so the EEG data, and then try to reconstruct the image and then try to categorize kind of what the person was watching. The researchers claim that this process is superior to the one envisioned by Tesla CEO Elon Musk, uh, which requires surgery to implant the electrodes. They claim that those electrodes would fail after several months. The electrodes in this study would just be able to be placed outside of the brain, not require surgery. So this is a very interesting study. Um... I have to say I am highly, highly skeptical of this work. Uh, the fact that it's not getting more recognition is definitely a big red flag. Um, it just seems, and based on kind of their results, so they were showing, you know, one of the images that they were watching, and then it showed the reconstructed output right next to it. It, it seemed a little too good, I gotta say. Of course, I hope it's true. That'd be really, really cool if we could do something like that. Um, 
but I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of this. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep you posted on this, I'm going to keep following this story and hopefully um, we'll find out if it's real or not. Uh, but, you know, if it works as they claim, it's very, very exciting news in the world of AI since creating a brain-computer interface would allow us to get around the, the bandwidth problem that Elon Musk has talked about before. We can directly communicate with a computer instead of having to type everything through our slow fingers or speak through our mouths to it. So, of course, this would be revolutionary if it's really working like this. If it, if, if it can do this, it really can do a whole lot more. So that's why I'm skeptical. It's it's not getting the coverage that this type of thing w probably would get if <laughs> if everyone believed it was, uh, you know, a real finding. So I'm going to follow this and give you an update in a future podcast on whether or not it's 100% legit. But still, pretty cool study. And um, some good work out of the Moscow Institute of Tech. Um, it's cool for sure. I love I love hearing about all these, uh, you know, all this work on brain computer interfaces. And yeah, I'll keep you posted. Next up, facial recognition of and monitoring of civilians on public areas is a very sensitive subject. On one hand, it could be used to improve safety, could be used to spot criminals or suspicious activities in large crowds. On the other hand, it can definitely go the other way, could be used against us and get tighter surveillance and policing of everything that we do. Some organizations are saying that the federal government is taking the use of these technologies much too far. The America Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, is filing a lawsuit with numerous different agencies alleging that the government is misusing this technology and that the records on exactly how the technology is being used must be released. The ACLU is also claiming that the technology could threaten our core constitutional values. So I think this is awesome. I think that the government must be releasing how they're using this technology, what they're doing. Um, you know, we really, we really do have a right to know as civilians, we don't want sort of something similar that happened over in Hong Kong with the facial recognition on the streets kind of profiling literally everyone. You know, we, we cannot have that in the United States. And I think this is great. It'll get some of these agencies to listen to this problem and, and hopefully be a little more transparent. My, uh, you know, my bar is pretty low, you know, kind of considering the performance of every agency in the past, past few years. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, as, as AI technology gets used more and more by the government, we need more transparency because it can definitely be used for discriminative purposes if if someone wishes. So some companies, I guess, out in Boston are um, 
they have these this facial recognition tech and they're able to monitor people and they're able to not only just monitor you as kind of a one-time thing, just monitor your actions for that day, they're able to actually find out who you are and kind of save you off into a database. So then when you come back, they can keep writing to your record. It's not like a one-time thing where they're just looking, oh, we don't know who this person is, we're just going to be looking for this person's um, suspicious activity. It's more along the lines of, this is this is Joe Smith, he was born on this date, he socialized with these people on, on this day at this time. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a little more in-depth than uh, I think a lot of people realize. Um, one of the directors, I was reading an article on CNN, is claiming that the rate of technology development has advanced much further than the civil rights laws, and that we need policy to catch up with the technology, which is definitely true. Uh, we need to tread very, very carefully with this stuff, and I think if we let it get too far and the government isn't transparent enough with us, it could really lead to some, some negative impacts down the line. I'm hoping for now we get some clear guidance from legislators on how they want to use this technology. We'll see how that all turns out. Um, ACLU is filing a lawsuit against numerous agencies, and I, I do think that is a good thing to get them to open up about this. Next up, music can evoke all kinds of emotions, ranging from happy to sad to mad. Music is a great way to cope with the different things that happen in one's life. How do, how do these songs make us feel this way, though, is a question that MIT researchers are asking, and they published a very, very good article in the Technology Review, uh, MIT's Technology Review, that I used as inspiration for this story. Are there telltale signs that a song will emote, evoke um, certain emotions in someone? Researchers from uh, University of Southern California have been working on identifying these different characteristics. In a new research article that they published, the group identified factors such as pitch and rhythm that create different physical responses in humans, such as different brain activity, heat, and sweating levels. Yum! Understanding how music evokes emotion in us could allow music to be used for more, perhaps more productive purposes, such as uh, therapy or even a sort of some type of medical treatment. The researchers also identified certain songs that almost always caused sadness. They found one, it was Discovery of the Camp by Ma Michael Kamen. Race Against the Sunset typically uh, created a feeling of happiness. The researchers then recruited participants to listen to these songs and take an MRI of their brain in addition to keeping track of other parameters uh, in their body, such as pulse and temperature. Uh, collecting this data for all of the participants, the uh, scientists then, then fed all of this data, including the MRI data um, and the uh, features from the songs that they identified into a machine learning model. So the features being things like, um, uh, let's see, those things that I mentioned before, like the pitch and the rhythm. And 
they fed all this into a model and were able to um, try to find the, the features that were most correlated with certain emotions. And they, they, I think they're working on writing everything up and publishing it in a nice research article. Um, but one of their findings, the article says, is high frequency of the song, high frequencies present in the song correlated pretty strongly with participants' heart rate as well as brain activity. So once again, the, the research is still in progress, but the scientists say the results are promising and could potentially be used for treatment of addiction or depression. Very cool stuff. Last up, today we have some access to very stunning satellite imagery. Uh, you know, there's Google Earth, there's lots of public data sets that essentially open source a lot of very high quality satellite images. There's a lot of images to sort through, and while there's tons of value in these images, there's just far too many for humans to sift through. Uh, some of the best data sets for Earth scientists um, are from NASA as well as the NOAA, the NOAA government programs. However, accessing and pulling the most useful pieces out of this data is not that easy. Researchers at George Mason University have potentially developed a solution. One of the postdoctoral associates in the Earth Science Information Partners Laboratory, Zihang Sung, has created a software program called GeoWeaver. It's a web application that can perform deep learning on some of these, these major data sets. And they were saying in the article that I read on ZDNet that initially covered this story, um, they were saying that allowing and enabling scientists to kind of pull together these data sets from sources that they're familiar with already. So they have, um, they have, they have data sets that they already use. They don't want to change that. They just want to kind of be able to pull all that into one unified source and one unified location. Uh, being able to do that, you can then do some pretty sweet things with it. But I guess the barrier to just pulling all that data in is so high, uh, Zihang Sun, Dr. Zihang Sun, created this, this awesome program called GeoWeaver. He's excited that the program will accelerate the use of deep learning in earth science fields. His research group is using it for numerous projects, including flooding damage prediction, as well as a drought prediction. The Earth Science Information Program Lab at George Mason University has received a federal grant to continue developing these types of tools. These tools are going to be, be combining uh, some of these, these computational techniques uh, as well as being able to pull in these data sources and unify them. Uh, Dr. Sun says that the final version of the software will be released uh, open source in the coming months. It's a great development out of uh, George Mason University, how they're going to be pulling together these data sets from um, these different sources and making it into a unified platform where people can do deep learning very easily. Very nice. That's about all I have for you today on this episode of AI Buzz. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 
brief recap of what I talked about. There's a story from the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology where they claim that you can decode brain waves and kind of reconstruct an image that people are shown. It's going to update you on whether or not that's 100% what, uh, what they've found, if anyone's able to reproduce that. The American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, is suing the government over facial recognition technology. They want everything to be more transparent and how and want to know how the government's using this technology. I think that's a great cause. AI is helping us understand why some songs are making us feel good or bad or things that are in between. The technology developed by researchers at the University of Southern California could be used for things like treating addiction or depression. And lastly, a new web application from George Mason University uh, promises to unify data from sources such as NASA as well as NOAA and um, really looking forward to seeing how this looks when it gets open sourced. I think it's going to help out a lot of Earth scientists, as one article in ZDNet uh, mentioned. Thanks so much for tuning in today. This is AI Buzz. I'm your host, Nick. I'll be back very, very soon with more stories on machine learning and artificial intelligence. There's always things happening in this field, and I will be there to cover it. Have a great day. Take care of yourself. Bye.